This is the Mediocre Men Podcast. Mediocre Men, Great Big God. Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth. will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Christ must be the final Lord and not Caesar and not society. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. I am not preaching Christ to get to heaven. I am preaching Christ because I'm going, and I want to see others come with me. I could be completely wrong. It could be that Paul intended for me to wear a head covering, but you know what? On Judgment Day, I will not be responsible for that because of this. My husband, whose authority I stand under, has never once asked me to wear a head covering. And he, by coincidence, happens to be a theologian who will have studied this passage in the Greek, and so therefore I put it all on him. And if I was wrong on this, it's going to be his responsibility and not mine. But in all seriousness, I believe that the intent of this passage is for me to have an attitude whether in a church setting or in society, that I am under the authority of my husband. I gladly accept that role. It has nothing to do with my intelligence or my abilities. And one way I do that is by taking his name proudly. I used to be against head coverings for two main reasons. I grew up being told everyone was to take off their hat when they entered the school building or when we sat down for supper. Unless, unless we're outside while serving this purpose of protecting our head from the sun or cold weather, I viewed hats as disrespectful. The second main reason I have been against head coverings is due to feminism. I had been taught it was culture for the Corinthians. I remember being very against the head covering, so much so while being a pastor's wife, I had chatted with a girl who believed it was biblical. I encouraged a few others who agreed with me to join our conversation with my intention of proving her wrong. While I do think we should be able to debate each other on opposing views, I was very much in sin here. Her conscience led her to wear a head covering. I was to respect her in that. A year ago, I was scrolling through Instagram, and Janelle Garwood had mutual friends. I decided to add her because her content and understanding scripture was helpful. Then she started posting about head coverings. I was about to unfollow her, then I decided to read her viewpoint and study the scripture for myself. She refuted all my arguments with logic, reason, and scripture. The most convincing argument to me was Paul's appeal to creation. This was the same argument brought forward by my friend a few years earlier. From there, I was convicted to wear a head covering. I apologized to my friend. I think I had actually already apologized to her, but I added that she was right. I told my husband he was supportive of me, but disagreed with my conclusions, even though I was able to refute all his arguments with scripture, and he knew it. Then I got a head covering that was not going to draw attention to myself. It looks like a headband. It was still uncomfortable at first, but a conscience needs to be bound by scripture, and sometimes obedience is uncomfortable. Even though our conscience was different on this issue, my husband led well by reminding me so I didn't forget my head covering while leaving for church. Well, Glenn, uh, we've decided to uh, take a passage of scripture, a, a topic, as, as you could hear in the beginning, um, 
that is difficult to say the least you are right david uh it's it's one of these topics that uh well as you just mentioned you can see very opposing views on this passage and i find though when we read through this passage it seems fairly straightforward uh, we often i find for me anyhow i speak for myself here david that perhaps we struggle with this in part because we don't want to misspeak on what is on this passage and then uh I can think of when I was a, a younger Christian, one of the jobs I had, uh, there was a, a Christian man that would have taken these passages, and his wife has, the, the, he had superiority over his wife, mm. basically, instead of authority, and you could see that in the relationship they had, so mm. we, we want to go through this passage carefully so that we, we understand that men and women are equal in Christ. Right. But there is something that needs to be brought up in this passage. Right. And, um, I mean, you, you touched on something very important. There's a difference between superiority and authority. Right. Superiority comes often with pride and arrogance and, and domineering. And uh, often there's a, we think of, of worth. As something superior, it, it is, it's greater or more worth something than something else. And uh, authority isn't that. Uh, authority has, has, has in it um, that of, of service. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So what we're going to do is we are going to work through this together. And, and uh, Glenn and I have been really trying to understand just what God's word is, is saying. And uh, of course, there are differences of opinions, and as we work through this, we'll, we'll, we'll even bring those up as, as well. So in verse 2, we read, Now I praise you because you always remember me and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So, so here in this verse, we see um, a, a praise. Uh, Paul is con commending them for something that they are doing. Yeah, and it's interesting. We won't go, I won't get too much into this topic, um, but you'll notice how he's praising them in verse 2. And then on the next topic, when they get into the Lord's Supper and communion in verse 17, it's the complete opposite. He says, I cannot praise you for this. So you see a change right. in his narrative, right? Um, something that I saw in this, and I'll just take 30 seconds to touch on sure. this, David. Um, I'll write more about this on our blog post that we do on this. On, uh, mediocremenpodcast.wordpress.com as of right now that's our address but it's interesting because you'll hear some folks say how they hold the words of Jesus at a higher value than those of Paul or other writers in the New Testament uh, there's an actually really good article out there by Wes McAdams that I, I everyone should look up it's called uh, why you need to stop dismissing the Apostle Paul hmm. so I won't say more about that, but that'll be something that if people want, they can find blog posts and read more on that and about the inspiration of Scripture. That would definitely be a good read. Yeah. Uh, talking about reading, why don't we continue on with verse 3. Verse 3, yes. Um, it says, But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Uh, so... Here's a word that is popping up over and over and over again, and it is the word head. What, what does the word head mean, Glenn? Well, it doesn't mean 
as you just mentioned, superiority over someone, but it's more of a, a position, like a hierarchy you almost see in, in it. And it's interesting because if I kind of look at the last of the first, God is the head of Christ. Um, it's God the Father is head of Christ. And right. the, the note I made on it is like, this isn't saying Christ is inferior to God in any way. Exactly. Just as women isn't inferior to men. Um, but that it's John John and John, First John 4 and 14 tells us that the Father sent the Son. So you see him kind of a, a responsibility given to the Son. Right, and then in Philippians two, uh, on the reverse with with Christ, you you see him um, humbly following after what his father wanted him to do. So it, it, it's um, re uh, responsive obedience. Right, and you see him kind of comment on that in John seventeen and four, where he says, "I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do." Right, and so then. In this verse, you also see the head of of man is Christ. So, as as men, um, we are to look to Christ and, and take His leadership. Yeah, and because you almost see that too, with Him instructing us in things as such as uh, to work or not to eat. In Second Thessalonians, you see it in First Peter three, where He tells husbands to care for their wives, and they're they are the weaker physical, physically weaker. Um, so yeah, you kind of see the responsibility given to men and we are to submit to the instructions of Christ as Christ submitted to the Father. Right. And then you, you see the, the third one, that the head of woman is man. Yeah, and as also already mentioned, it has nothing to do with being a lesser person or a lesser being. Um, but you see the responsibilities of women as well to submit and obey the husband. Right, so another thing to, to notice here as well is the word uh, woman. Um, a lot of people will read the word, the, the word woman and, and go into the camp that this is uh, towards all, I would say, saved women. So what's going to follow? But then there's also some translations that translate this word woman as wife. So there are some who would take that and say that this the instructions that are going to follow this is actually geared towards saved wives and not all women in general. Yeah, and you, you'll notice if anyone's wondering, it, like the ESV is known for that. They, they put wife. But as you have mentioned, David, in, in our side chats and stuff, that there's no really Greek word for wife. It's woman, so it's based on the interpretation of the passage. Exactly. So those who um, look here and, and, and see wife, they, they would go to uh, such passages as uh, Ephesians 5, um, verse 23, where it talks about the husband being head uh, of the wife. Um, but then with woman, um, and in, in general, I, I think uh, such passages as 1 Corinthians 14, talks about the woman taking a role of being quiet in the church um, or first Timothy uh, 2 which has the same um, same uh, instructions uh, they, they will kind of take first Corinthians 11 which is what we're reading and those passages and and um, parallel them together yeah and you you see if, if you read them closely the context of, of Ephesians it mentions 
it's a family unit. It's the yeah. husbands, it's the wives. In 1 Corinthians 11, 14, and 1 Timothy 2, it's all about the church. Right. And one question I like to ask people that I believe it's the wife, the Christian wife, is when you read 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 34, where it says the woman should be silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak. So we're, we're following the same context as 1 Corinthians 11. And if we're consistent, unless Paul flip-flopped on terminology, which... Right. Right, then what it's saying here... To, well, what do you do next with the, the, the verses coming up? Yeah, right? how do you handle that? Because it's a, does that mean the way the, the Christian wives are to remain silent? So the single Christians can, ladies can say whatever they want? Or, right. Right, so you see a problem. Yeah, and that's a really, that's a really good argument right there. Um, especially when, when we read uh, verses 4 and, and 5, it says, Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head, dishonors his head, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since that is the one and the same as having her head shaved. So, taking your argument, then, it, it would seem like Paul might be flip-flopping here, whether a woman can speak or not speak um, in a corporate worship setting. It, it seems, a quick read, you do kind of, you're left with that. Um, it's interesting, though, what would you say, in this context, prophecy is? Because, and there's a reason I ask, right? There, there's there's some camps of the head coverings that would say women only are to wear the head covering when they're praying because prophecy has now ceased in the church and it doesn't happen. And so they're carrying with the weight the foretelling of events. Right. Um, that's a really good good question. And that's actually something that I'm personally trying to, to figure out and, and, and work through. Um, what I've been uh, taught, what I've been... Uh, what I've heard is that um, prophecy can, can be not s simply foretelling the future, which is some parts that we, you see in the in the uh, or the Old Testament, or e even in this cases in the New Testament of yeah. foretelling an event, but predominantly it's foretelling. Right. So it, it's you have a message and you are just declaring that message. So like. For me, uh, uh, preaching could be seen as um, engaging in this because you are proclaiming um, basically the message of God. Yeah, and you, you see, like in 1 Corinthians 14 and 3, the, the one that I like to, the first I use to try and help me understand what's being said here, it, where he says, But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. So, you almost see that 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 kind of worship, right? So like mm. a lady, the way I kind of see this, and I it, I stand to be corrected, right. is a woman if if she has something on her heart, um, in the gathering that she wants, she's been enjoying about Christ and, and her Savior, then if she does stand up or whatever to speak on this or, or proclaim her message, then she covers her head. Okay. Um, because you kind of see, and then of course you have other passages which we can dig into more maybe on other episodes or later in this one. Uh, the women there to be silent, but then you almost see the context of that is in this appellation of teaching or, right. or raising authority over the man. There seems to be a difference. There might be. There might be. There There's might something be. definitely to, to dig into more yeah. on my behalf. Um, well, same here, for sure. Yeah. But what, whatever 
praying and prophesying is, it, it seems to indicate here that the, the woman is to have a covering as they are engaged in this. So some people will just see this as just corporate worship in general. Um, and so those corporate worship settings, women are, are to wear a covering. Um, and then as, as you mentioned, some people see prophesying as a, as a gift that has already been done away with and prayer is continual. So every time yeah. you pray, um, is there something interesting here in verse five that people try, uh, to capitalize on, um, those who believe that this passage is strictly cultural, um, what they will go to is that we're having her head shaved. And they will bring out examples such as um, the Isle of Lesbos. Um, and apparently uh, women shave their heads and they, they live on this island uh, together. And um, they shave their heads as, a, as a basically a reaction against uh, male authority. Um, they also look at uh, temple prostitutes uh, who apparently shave their heads in pagan worship. Um, so they will go to to that expression and say okay this is this is cultural this isn't for us today um but i think as we work through this we'll, we'll, we'll maybe see that no actually it may not be cultural you kind of get the indication too that uh it's not cultural because as we see later he mentions that uses the example of creation so and, and teaching of angels so it seems to be elevated above the culture of the day to something more spiritual and more deep Right. Um, it's interesting because uh, a man that I've I've read some on, he, he can be quoted to say his name's Roy Hubner. Um, he wrote uh, in, in an article that he wrote on this topic was that it is worth noticing that the covering for the woman's head is not her hair, which forms part of her head. If the covering required by the Word of God did mean her hair, then the expression "every woman praying or prophesying uncovered" would have to mean that she prayed or prophesied without hair. She would be bald or shaven. Further, if such were the meaning, then men would have to have hairless heads, clean-shaven in order to comply with the requirement of praying uncovered. It is evident that the covering required on the woman's head cannot simply be her hair, but rather a covering additional to the hair. The covering is applied by the woman as a sign of her subjection under the required circumstances. That was a mouthful. It is. <laughs> but he touches on some really interesting points. Um, and uh, as you know, not everyone knows, I have no hair <laughs> on my head. So that means that you are the more holier one than me. It would seem, cause, but we'll work on it. I think you should shave your head and grow a beard too. I'm not, but, <laughs> I'm not sure how that would look on me. I, we'll, we'll find out. Okay. We'll find out. Um, so yeah, so carrying on here, um, it says in verse 6, So if a woman's head is not covered, her hair should be cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her hair shaved, she should be covered. So that's argument number one of, of, of why a woman or one of the, uh, I guess you could say reasons why a woman should have their, their hair uh, head covered. Yeah, and, and a lot of people attribute this to their, their long hair as their covering. Um, but it's interesting, if you read the first part of verse 6 closely, it says, So if a woman's head is not covered, her hair should be cut off. So it's like, if you're not going to cover your head, you might as well cut off your hair. Mm. Right? So it's 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 interesting. Um, 
So there seems to be a distinction there between yeah. a covering and hair. Yeah, there seems to be a distinction coming out of time. Right. All right, so carrying on, it says, A man, in fact, should not cover his head because he is the he is God's image and glory, but woman is man's glory. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. And man was not created for woman, but woman for man. So it seems here that Paul is now arguing from uh, a creation order. You know, it's interesting because you'll notice here that it says that uh, God, men was made in the image of God and women, like you see it, but then the glory comes to the woman's, man's glory is the woman and then God's glory is man. So you see that creation order happening in this passage. Uh, it's interesting because um, Roy also says on this passage, I, I took a couple of his quotes I really liked. Uh, the thought and image is the man is the representative of God on earth as it said. Earthly creation was appointed answerable to Adam. Woman is man's glory, his companion and counterpart, the object of his love. He shares with her what he has. The thought in woman being man's glory is that she is a source of honor and praise to him. Also, she is his complement, making him a complete man, as it were. She was built from man's side and was made to help suitable to him with sharing in his likeness and entering into his thoughts, feelings, and love. And he goes on, what a privilege then for Christian women to show forth the exaltation and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ by conforming themselves to this model. Right. And and, and that interdependence um, or the need for one another, uh, you, you see later on in this passage, and we'll definitely touch on that as, um, as we go through. Um, and it seems there's, there's a value there for the wife or, or for the woman. Yes, yeah. So often in our culture today, we'll try to take the truth out of this passage and say, well, look, women are less than men and of less importance in some way, but this isn't teaching it. Paul almost tries to get rid of that argument as he reads on um, where he says, like in verse 11, in the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. Um, and then verse 12, I know I'm getting ahead of it, but for a woman came from man, so man comes from woman, and all things come from God. Mm -hmm. So he's not at all trying to teach her that women are less, but there are different roles in creation, and there's different roles in the church, and each of them has their own spot. Right. So there's an equality between men and women, but there's different roles given to each. Yeah. And so, so Paul isn't being a chauvinist here. Not at all. No, and Paul often gets accused of being that. But a serious study of this, instead of a quick read-through and proof texting to make a point, Paul is attempting very carefully to let people know, no, we are equal. Right. Yeah. The, the one thing I, I like about what he, what he says in um, verses, uh, verse 8 about uh, man... Was not created for woman, but woman for man, and a woman came for man. Uh, it that's he uses that same argument in First uh, Timothy chapter two, and, and again in in the um, the sphere of corporate, corporate worship. Yeah. So it, it seems that this passage seems to tie quite well with First uh, Timothy chapter two. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next thing. Um, oh well. Before we go, go on to the next verse. Uh, there's a couple other things that I want to I want to say about this. Um, 
those who argue that this is strictly a cultural thing. Paul is arguing on the basis of creation order, and creation order transcends culture. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, and that's why, if, if culture was such a big topic that Paul wished them to understand, you would think he would have mentioned something about it. Exactly. In this passage. And so what we're having here is, is not a custom, but a principle. Something that is that like um, that transcends uh, cultural habits, yeah, and traditions. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next verse in the verse uh, verse ten. This 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 kind of blows my mind, and I personally want to write more about this um, in a, a future uh, blog. Um, but it says this: This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. That's exciting. That is, and then you read that and you attempt to understand it, and I probably spent, I couldn't tell you how much time, <laughs> last night on this verse, trying to properly understand it. And it's interesting because uh, some translations and some people will say, well, no, it doesn't say symbol of authority on there, and they could be right. They probably are. But if you read it even without that, it says, this is why a woman should have authority on her head. Hmm. So it, you still have the meaning there. There's something going on here. What exactly is that? Right. That Paul is saying. Right. Uh, and this is be done because of the angels, it says. Yes. Right. So when you look at Ephesians uh, 3, and I don't have the verse right in front of me, but uh, Ephesians 3 talks about um, how the angels are witnessing us worship. Yeah. It, it's fascinating to think that when we are together worshiping that we have a heavenly audience watching us. Yeah. We forget that, I think, sometimes. Exactly. Uh, it, it's interesting, too, because you'll notice that um, in Isaiah 6 and 2, when the angels come before God, their faces are covered. Hmm. Right? And so you almost see that um, like they're hiding their own glory as it were like their own head because they're approaching in hierarchy the one that is above them interesting and they cover themselves when they approach angels that's that's pretty cool yeah i, I want to totally dig more into this because oh. i i mean for that it, it it excites me it really does like um wor worship is something that's being watched by the angels like incredible and I, I, I think, well, not only is it incredible, but that means I really need to really focus on how I worship. It should add a seriousness to everybody reading this passage, that, that there shouldn't be a glance over this passage of, oh, it means this because, and then just move on. Uh, and this is why I kind of, I, you, you see the seriousness almost of the passage in this verse, because... Yeah. There is a there is a presence that is beyond culture watching us. So yeah, we we should do our best to get this right. Right, and um, so let's let's continue on. Uh, Glenn, you, you you read verse eleven and twelve uh, earlier, so we, we can we'll read it, but uh, we'll kind of go more into verse thirteen and on. It says in the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. 
For just as woman came from man, so man comes through woman. And all things come from God. So this interdependence that we need each other and this recognition that we have come from God. Like he is the source of life. We all focus upon him, the giver of life. Um, we, we are all made in the image of God. So not, neither of us are more important. Man is not better. Woman is not better. The, this battle of the sexes is nonsense. It, it really is. Um, and you, you kind of see, you see this passage answer almost two things that you hear today. Like you have Galatians, is it Galatians, I believe, where we are all one in Christ. Yes, Galatians. Um, so you, you see that reminder. We need to be reminded. If someone gets carried away with this passage and says, well, look, in, in creation order, men are above women in authority, and then somehow take that as a... a, a I'm better than you. Right. They need to be reminded of Galatians. Yeah. But then at the same time, if you have people using Galatians to say, well, women can be pastors because now we are all one in Christ or something like that. Right. Then we need to bring them back to First Corinthians 11 and remind them, no, there's right. in creation, there's still... Exactly. First yeah. Corinthians 14 and, and, and First Timothy 2 as well. Right. Um, okay, so this last, this last part. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her hair is given to her as a covering. So here is where those in the camp of uh, hair being the covering uh, and not a cloth or a hat, this is where they will focus. And they will say, look right here, you have an argument that it says there, for hair is given to her as a covering. End of story. And they almost, and not everybody would be fair here, but... It almost you leave you the the impression that they read this and like okay yeah that explains the rest. Right. But it's interesting because when I read this passage, you see how in verse thirteen judge for yourself. So it's like pause and consider what I'm saying here. Right. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God? And then you almost see a paragraph shift or a topic change. Where is does not even nature so we'll do it often with our kids and stuff when we're teaching them something and then we'll i'll use an example it may be an example of when i was a kid and what i did or my parents right? right but you see paul as it were almost applying the same principle like does not even nature's like i've just told you all of this you can even see it in nature that women have long hair that operates as their cover hmm. right so you see and and, and one thought here that I'll be honest, it just it just jumped into my head, so this is, may not be a, a fleshed out thought. But um, even if long hair is the covering, this still doesn't negate that aspect of authority, recognizing the authority of man. So if you believe that the long hair is your covering, you, you, you still need to recognize that you are under the authority of your husband. Yeah. Or the church elders, or um, or if you're a single woman, your father. Yeah. yeah. And that, that hair should, that long hair should remind you of that. It should, because in verse 15, it's like her long hair, it is her glory. Right? So... You, you see now 
that is covered because you're in the presence of corporate worship. Right. Approaching God. and Right. And it's a glorious thing when we operate in our given sphere or, mm -hmm. or role. Right. Okay. So closing up this, this passage. Uh, but if anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom, nor do the churches of God. All right, Glenn. What, what, what is he saying there? Well, I, I'll tell you. Um, I've heard a couple different views on this. But uh, if you read it, but if anyone wants to argue about this, so Paul's just went through to explain the head covering and why women should have a, a, a power or authority on their head because of the creation order. Yep. And then he goes through all of this and explains it. And then he says, but if anyone wants to argue this, what he just said, right? we have no other custom. There's no other tradition. There's no other way, nor do the churches of God. So some people would say, Paul has said all this, and then he's telling you, we're not going to argue with this because we don't have this custom. Some people will try to say right. that. Which then I have to ponder. So then why did God why did God inspire Paul to tell Paul to tell you to do this, but then don't do it in verse 16? Like the, It doesn't flow. Um, exactly. It doesn't seem to. He's setting up an argument. Yes. And if you argue something, you don't dismantle it at the end. Yeah. If anything, he's adding, like, look, this is, we're not going to debate this. This is the way it is. And not only am I telling you this, but the entire churches of God are doing this. Right. Okay, so we've walked through this passage. And uh, hopefully you're still listening. <laughs> and hopefully you're you're not uh, too upset uh, at, at how we have handled this passage. Um what I wanted, what I wanted us to do, is kind of give a summation of how we see this passage, what what, what it means, and I'll I'll start first. Sure. So, I believe this passage is to do with corporate worship. So, when the church gathers together, men and women to worship God, this is what it was referring to at those times, and I believe it's validated by uh, not only the expression prophesying and, and praying, but from 1 Corinthians 11 all the way through 14, uh, the the emphasis is on the church gathering, using the spiritual gifts in the church gathering, prophesying and, and praying in the church gathering, uh, having orderly worship. So I believe that this passage is to do with recognizing and, and submitting to the authority that God has put in place. I think that's a wonderful thing. Even as a man, I must submit to Christ. Right. So we're, we are all recognizing the authority that is ab ab above us, for lack of a better word, and we we are following and 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 going in that role. Um, I believe that this is all saved, uh, all saved women. Um, I, I don't think it's. Uh, to do with a wife um, simply because 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and 1 Timothy uh, 2 uh, when it talks about corporate worship it has all men and women in view um, I, I believe all women should wear a physical covering of some sort uh, praying and prophesying as a sign that they are under the authority God has instituted so whether that is husband, father or elder um, 
it's not cultural since it is tied to creation order and creation order transcends culture. Uh, I believe it's important uh, because it is being witnessed by the heavenly angels that are watching. And uh, it's more than wearing a head covering. It's, it is honorable uh, submission to male authority in the corporate gathering. So that really, that's where I think the emphasis is placed is more on recognizing the authority than it is on putting a piece of fabric on your head. However, I believe Paul is also talking about putting something on your head. So this is a topic that is uh, controversial, Glenn, and um, not everyone agrees and sees it the same way. Um, on a, a post that I did on my Church Awake Instagram, I did a poll and it said, uh, I believe it was probably about 16 people voted and 39% said yes, it, it, head coverings are for today. 61% said no. So clearly there's some division here. Nobody's seen it the same way. Glenn, is this a conscience matter? I've thought a bit about this, David, and after a good chat with you, actually, you, you, to me, and maybe you should be answering this because you convinced me even more on this matter, that no, it isn't. Um, you, you often don't see lessons tied to creation. The creation order is a conscience matter. And then, as you said earlier, off the mic, is like, so does this mean that women later in Corinthians that have remained silent in the church is that a matter of conscience as well? Right. Or, or you would, I would know that it is an instruction Paul has given us. Right. And you kind of see this, and you see this in First Corinthians 11, this too. And you see that also in First Corinthians, uh, sorry, First Timothy chapter 2, right. the same example, uh, this, the creation order he, he uses, uh, that that is also, um, it's not in regards to covering one's head, but it's, it's in regards to um, not having authority over a man, not teaching or usurping authority um, in the church. Right. Um, so, whether though it, it is a matter of conscience or not, um, we're husbands. Yeah. And um, how do we lead our wives biblically on this topic? It's a good question, David. Um, you kind of see in 1 Corinthians 14 and 35 where it says for the women to go home and ask their husbands questions that you almost see the, the lesson, and I'm sure we could, if we had more time, go through Scripture and see this even more, that it's the responsibility of the men to lead their wives in a spiritual manner and help them along with things. Right. So let's, let's keep in the context of husband and wife. Uh, let, let's say that our wife saw it, um, saw that they were to wear a covering, but we as a, as husband said, uh, believe the opposite. So for instance, that, that was my story. My wife came to the conviction through studying scripture that this was something that she was to do to honor God. Um, I wasn't at that point yet. So... And those times, how do you, um, how do you lead? I, I believe everything should be examined individually. 
right? And, and if at the if your wife has come to the conclusion on a passage of scripture that at the end of the day she is basing her decision or conclusion on scripture, and that it is her it is bringing glory to God and her attempt to honor Him more, then who are we? Right. To get in the way of that, because at the end of the day, God is supreme and overall. Right. Um, but as I said, in this in this passage, you see, like, if your wife come to the conclusion before you did on this, she did it from a humble heart, right, in her desire to please God more, right, and she based it on Scripture, not tradition or. So in, in that regard, they should be patient with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should, cause yeah, they should. And yeah. thankfully, they usually are. And the, and the reverse is true. If if the wife doesn't um, hasn't come to that that point yet of, of saying, oh, you know what, this is actually is applicable to me today, uh, we need to be patient with with them. We definitely do, and we need to be reminded of this on a daily basis. Paul, Peter took the time to tell us in First Peter chapter three, where he can say, "Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with understanding of their weaker nature." Yet, showing them honor is co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So, we should be treating our wives as Christ treats the church. Praise the Lord for that. How, how, does, Christ, how, how does Christ treat his church? Never-ending mercy and grace and oh, love. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because I know that I... Oh, talk about sanctification, you know. Um, I wish I could grow quicker and quicker... In my walk with Christ, but I know it's slow. It's a lot of ups and downs. It is, and uh, and if you're like me, I often will say things that I shouldn't say in conversations, or it's just not well thought out. And it's immediately as after you say it, you think, "Wow, why did you say that?" Right. So right. thankfully, God is always working with us and right. growing us because we are. Yeah. So one thing we had mentioned earlier was. Um, now speaking for myself, I, I believe that this is uh, the the coverings are to be for all saved women. Now we have daughters, and my daughter could come to faith when she's seven. How do we respond to that? Like, should we be the ones teaching them, or should we allow our wives to do that? Well, you, you kind of see both both lessons in Scripture. You see the passage where it's the, the older women are to teach the younger women. But then you also have it in Ephesians um, chapter well, 6. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, And fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. But and then it's this part. But bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord. So... Right. If my daughter is seven, eight, nine, and she comes to faith in Christ, which please Lord let it happen, mm. um, then it would be my responsibility and my wife's as well to, but mine from based on this passage to sit down with her and explain to her in an intelligent way. And it's interesting we, as parents, we sometimes forget that our children, and I know I'm getting off a little bit on this, but are intelligent little beings and. Uh, there was a, a lesson about a month ago that my boys, they, they didn't understand why their parents were upset at them. So I mm -hmm. sat down and I sent them a message. And I, I, like, I was at work and, and I sent them a little, it was bothering me that we didn't handle that properly. And 
So I sent them a little message saying, boys, this is why we don't want you doing this. And then it was a good little chat. And when I got home that day, my oldest like, dad, thank you. Thank you for mm -hmm. explaining it to me. I now understand. Um, we need to get back to that as dads, uh, explaining to our children in a loving way. Right. So, yeah, um, we need to be patient with others. We need to show the love and grace that Christ has shown us. We are to understand that we all grow in, in, in different amounts and different times. Um, we need to re really reflect on the gospel, don't we? We really do, and we need to be reminded and go back to First Peter again, and the, the first number, eight, that whatever the topic is that we are approaching with our family or fellow believers or unsaved, that, as Peter says, now finally all of you should be like-minded, sympathetic, should love believers, and be compassionate and humble. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Well, uh, everybody, thanks for listening in. And um, I hope that there's something in this episode for you and, and, and something to glean from. And uh, we may see things differently. And we would love for you to give your response. Um, see where maybe we're off Keter. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't we, why don't we end that with that? slogan that, that you brought up in the, I believe it was the first episode sure David and, and if there's anyone listening tonight that's still listening that you're not sure of your eternal salvation or, or where you will spend eternity just remember that life is short death is sure sin is the cause but Christ is the cure amen and until next time catch you later